0: I see most of the kids have activity packets. Some of you adults, there might be activity packets left over. I don't know. (laughs) If you want to turn in a Bible, you can to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be, yeah, Luke, we're going to be in your book, chapter 2. And we are going to just look at, for a short little bit, the story that we heard read to us. Uh, How many of you in your home, (laughs) I just had a funny memory pop into my head about nativities, but how many of you have nativities in your home? Raise your hand. I have a few in my house. Um, They're kind of nostalgic for me. I don't know if they are for you. Um, We had them around my house as a kid, and we have them in my house now as an adult with kids, Uh, and so they're really fun to have. And one of the things that you see when you look at most nativities Um, is that they are kind of a very sanitized version of a scene of Christmas, right? Uh, Most of them are pretty historically inaccurate, actually. Um, And they're kind of a sanitized, nice little version. My favorite thing is the animals in those scenes that are actually acting like people would act. I don't know if you've been around animals, but they don't just sit quietly and pose for pictures. Uh, That's not their thing. So um, I get why we do that, right? Um, nativity seems to be tough to market and sell, and that, uh, unfortunately, is a lot of what Christmas is about in our culture. Uh, but, also in some sense, um, this is probably because this is how we wished life actually was. Calm, cozy, clean, right? Uh, we know what to expect, uh, easy going, and that's just not the reality of life in general, and it's not the reality of this story either. Uh, which actually is why I like the Bible so much, uh, because the Bible tells us the truth about the human experience, and it's not neat and clean and easy. Uh, Life is hard and gritty, and this isn't a fairy tale. If you're a guest with us, you're like, this is a Christmas fairy tale. We don't believe that it is. We think this is a historical event that happened uh, in real history. And just a few moments ago, you heard this story read from the Gospel of Luke, and so I'm not going to go over the entire story again, I wanna just remind you of where we are if you're unfamiliar with the Bible. And if you're like, I'm here just kind of visiting, I'm unfamiliar with the Bible, I want you to know you're so welcome here and we're so glad that you're here. You don't have to be a Bible expert to be part of what we're doing here. Um, many times I will exp- I will ask you to turn to a place in the Bible and I'll tell you the big numbers are the chapters, the small numbers are the verses. Uh, all of us uh, have that experience with the scripture of being new to it and so feel welcome here. But in the Gospel of Luke, uh, and if you're like, what's a gospel? Well, it's kind of a uh, a telling of a story. Uh, and so one of the things you want to do when you read a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in our Bibles, particularly Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is you do want to put yourself in that scene and kind of see it as it would have been happening. Uh, and so what we have in the gospel of Luke, where we read from earlier when Aaron read for us, is a real historical Roman Caesar, uh, the ruler of the Roman Empire, calling for a census to be taken. Uh, and it's happening in the part of the world that's in the news a lot right now, right? And so this is how Mary and Joseph, Jesus' earthly parents, end up in the ancient city of Bethlehem. Uh, and the reason we think, part, part of why we think this is a historical event, is there's so much evidence for that. Like, Bethlehem still exists. That's still a place, uh, that you can go. And so they go there to register in Joseph's town of his lineage. So they got to go to their where they're from. So they go to Joseph's lineage or town of his lineage. And while they're there, uh, we find out that Mary gives birth uh, to baby Jesus. And if you weren't aware uh, that Jesus wasn't coming into the world as a king, right? The Bible makes you cl- makes sure that you hear that, Mar- that Mary and Joseph are of such poor, low status Uh, that they couldn't even find a room to have this baby in. Was it a hotel? Probably not. Was it like a room at somebody's house? That's probably more like what it was, and there wasn't even space for them to go and have a baby in. So they end up in what's essentially a barn, a place where the animals stayed, and Mary gives birth and wraps up baby Jesus, the king of the universe, Right, and lays him in a manger, which you know in our in our nativity scenes is is a nice little trough filled with fresh hay. Probably not what it looked like. It's a feeding trough. That that's how God comes into the world to rescue you. So this is where we want to now pick up the story, and we're going to just look at the angels and the shepherds for a few minutes. Verse eight of Luke chapter uh, one says this. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, how many of you have Charlie Brown reading this when you hear this text? I do. I always want to say round about them, because that's what Charlie said, right? And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. This is what angels always say to people when they show up. Hey, don't be afraid. And why is that? I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. So if you're in this room, you're hearing my voice, you're online, you're watching, this news is for you. It's for all people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. Are we saying Gloria in excelsis Deo? And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, to really get the fullness of this story, we got to talk about who these shepherds were, because some of us in this room are going to relate to these shepherds. I hope most of us relate to these shepherds. In this day and age, these are not the popular people. The vocation of shepherd was seen as kind of the lowest of the low. They really weren't trusted. They were seen as kind of thieves who maybe they stole sheep a lot. There's no way to figure out whose sheep were who uh, other than the shepherd's voice. And so in this day, they were nomads. They were generally not trusted. They were out-of-towners always, right? And it's probably likely that some of this reputation is earned because they've kind of given themselves over to that. Uh, Maybe there's something in your life that you have, you kind of got a negative reputation based on something and you thought, well, you know, I kind of got the reputation, I might as well live into it. Maybe not even consciously, but maybe that's you, and so that's these shepherds. Probably not the first group of people, ladies, that you want showing up to meet your baby, right? Just not. That's just, that's just true, especially when you're not at home, you're in terrible conditions, you're feeling pretty vulnerable. The first people you would think of to show up is kind of the people that you think like are kind of criminals, no, that's not the way we would write this story. But then in verse 9, we get a character that does kind of make sense to us, right? If you're making up a story about the Son of God showing up, what are you going to think? Yeah, angelic beings showing up and like shouting it makes sense. Get that. Uh, but have them show up in the sky to who? If you're writing this story, who, who are you having them, sh- the angels show up in the sky to announce the birth of Jesus to? I'm having them show up to the king right? I'm having them show up to somebody of influence so that that news can spread. That's not what God does though. God has them show up to the the low shepherds. Why? God does that because the might and the power of the good news of what we in the church call the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is actually all the more seen when it's entrusted to people who have no business with it like you and me and these shepherds. I used to have a professor when I was in training for ministry who would say, why do all the jewelry places put the diamonds against a dark background so that the diamond can shine even more, right? And so the gospel is entrusted to people who pretty much have no business with that news because the gospel then looks all the better. And it's no different with you and I. We're like the shepherds. We don't deserve to hear God's good news, and yet we do. We are right now. We did all this morning, Right? Look, look at the good news again, verse 10. Fear not. Maybe you walked in here and you're kind of nervous about God or you're like a little bit afraid of him. This is God's word to you. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. This is God's posture towards you. Maybe you thought God's posture towards you, is kind. Of, he's kind of annoyed with you or mad at you, but it's not. God's posture towards you is leaning in and saying, don't be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So here's the good news that the shepherds heard. It's the same good news for you and me. Stop living in the fear and the brokenness that you've been living in. The salvation that you've been looking for, the salvation of God is here. There is a way to be saved, and it's not you, and it's not Caesar. It's not any political power or government structure or economic security. None of those things can save you. The Savior is Jesus, who is Christ the Lord. That's the word of God to you this morning through what the Scriptures have to say. But now the question is, what are the shepherds going to do with this good news, right? What are they going to do? The answer to this question is important because it gives us a glimpse into how we should respond to the good news of Jesus. Verse 15 says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, well, let's go check it out. Right. That's my translation. Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Now, some of you are sitting in your seat this morning in this room because you're seeing about what was told to you this morning. Somebody invited you here and told you, hey, there's good news for you, why don't you come and check it out? And you're doing what the shepherds did, and you're going, let's go and see if this is really true. And what we want to say to you is, yes, It's really true. The good news is as good as you thought. It's actually kind of feels like it's too good to be true. And they go and they find Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they had made they made known the thing that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, as it had been told to them. So now let's make sure we get our minds around this scene again here. Right? You've got a group of people who are considered kind of untrustworthy, maybe thieves, lowest of the low. Nobody wants to be around them. These guys have probably done something to maybe kind of earn that that reputation, or maybe they've kind of started to live into those. These are probably not the guys who have a ton of confidence and charisma to go out to a group of people and say, hey, guys, listen to what I have to say. They've probably been beaten down kind of their whole life, right? And and yet the angel of the Lord breaks through the night sky into the middle of their little world as shepherds, tells them the best news that has ever been told to anyone, This news is so good that all the other angels just kind of break out into song. Now, this this year is the first time I've been to a couple Ravens games, and I'll tell you one thing that happens. Across human experience, something good that you want to see happen actually happens, and people just break out in song. Happens at football games, happens at baseball games. That's why it happens in church, right? We break out into song. This is how we have been designed, and the angels do the same thing. This news is so good, they break out into song. This is the message about God's reconciling the world, and you are part of that back to himself. They hear the same message that we still proclaim today. This is what the church wants to say to you. You don't have to live separated from God anymore. You don't have to live in fear and anxiety anymore. God is leaning towards you, extending an offer of peace. And you have to make the smallest, slightest move towards him, and he will wrap you up and bring you home. There is someone who can save you. His name is Jesus. And so there are two things happening in the shepherd's response that I just want to leave us with, and they're both built on this. And you need to know this, especially if you're a guest with us today. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, the good news we talk about at Christmas and at Easter and all throughout the year, that good news will always demand some kind of response when you hear it. We can celebrate it, and we can embrace it, or we can reject it, but there is always a response that happens to the good news of Jesus. So back to the scene with our shepherd friends. So, right, the angels have finished their singing. They did the last Gloria in Excelsis Deo. They went up back into heaven. Everything gets quiet again. It's dark, like dark, dark. You've been out, like, maybe Western Maryland at night, away from the city lights. It's dark, out in the fields right no more singing from heaven just the, shout, the sound of sheep and now we see the shepherds decide that this good news is just too good to do nothing with so they go and they see the thing the angels told them about and the bible says they went in haste they made haste to go and see this thing and when they found baby jesus they told everybody who would hear them they told anyone and everyone who would listen about the good news they just heard from the angels and people, the Bible says, were filled with wonder about this. And then look at verse twenty. I want to help you see a pattern here for our lives, uh, especially for those of us who already know and love Jesus. It says this: the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. So here's the pattern I think shows up in this story that's true all over the Bible, the New Testament, uh, the the kind of the right side of your Bible. Uh, We see this. Number one, we hear the good news of Jesus. You've just heard it this morning, either for the first time or the hundredth time or the thousandth time. And this good news kind of breaks right into the middle of our bad reputation. It breaks right into the middle of our brokenness. breaks right into the middle of our loneliness. It breaks right into the middle of our fear. And God comes to us and says, hey, there's an offer of peace on the table. And then second, we respond to this news and we find that the news about Jesus is true. And then most importantly, what do we find? Jesus himself. That we go and we see if this thing is true and we see Yes, it is. Jesus is who he says he is. And then three, we return to our lives changed, and we live a life of glorifying and praising God for this good news that we've seen and that we've heard. Now, this is way oversimplified, right? I know you know this. Well, most of us are adults in this room, right? We know that life is ebbs and flows, and those of you who've been walking with Jesus for a long time know you don't always return glorifying all the time. But this is the pattern. And this makes no sense to human logic. Why in the world would God show up first to a bunch of peasants who most people would, would think that are, are are untrustworthy? Why would he do it like that? It seems pretty clear from understanding the big picture of the Bible and God's story that God wants to be sure that there's no question as to who is the power behind the good news. One of my favorite sayings when you think about different people doing what I'm doing right now and preaching, Right? is you may be able to preach the gospel better than I can, but you can't preach a better gospel because there's only one, and it's good news. God is not at all interested in sharing his glory for accomplishing his goal of reconciling all things to himself, and his interest in not sharing his glory with you is your good because you weren't built to carry the weight of it. That's Him loving you. This is the way that God has decided to see His good news spread through ordinary people, maybe people who feel like outcasts, like you and me, just telling anyone who will listen about the experience we've had of seeing that Jesus is who He said He was. You don't have to be good at it. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to be anything other than a recipient of that good news because you're not the power behind it anyway. So here's just the question to leave with you this Christmas Eve morning. What if we trusted that God actually is the power behind the Christmas story? What if we actually trusted that? So many of us would say that we want to see God's power at work. Maybe some of you came here visiting this morning to kind of just say, like, I want to see God work in my life. We want to see people all around us, those of us who are Christians, we want to see people all around us experience the love, the joy, the peace, and the hope that we celebrate during Advent that we've experienced from Jesus and so um, and, and so our hope for you if you're in this room, if you're watching this online, if you're hearing the sound of my voice, our hope for you is that what we want for you is that the same thing that we have experienced ourselves, what God is inviting you into and so I'm hopeful that we will see that the way that God shows off his power is by heralding the greatest news ever given. First, through a group of undeserving outcasts like shepherds, like you and me, regular people. And so this is the story of Christmas, right? That God comes to us. He's with us. And maybe you didn't know that word you sang, Emmanuel. That's what that means, God with us, that God is close. God isn't far away. You don't have to climb some spiritual ladder to get there. He came down to us and he's close, You can run from God for 50 years, 100 years, and when you make the slightest turn to to turn back to him, you'll find that he's right there. He is leaning in, extending peace to you through the blood of his son, which that story starts at Christmas. And so that's the story of Christmas. God comes to us and then entrusts us to share this with the waiting world. Let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, we thank you for bringing us here today, and we thank you that we can come and enjoy these moments with loved ones and friends as we gather together. Lord, we thank you that we've come and we've been freely able to sing to you and pray and and read your word this morning with no fear of uh, anyone oppressing us because we're doing that. Father, let us never take that for granted. And as we just close our time hearing uh, from our kids and being led from our kids. I just pray you would use that as a blessing to us and as a glory to yourself. We we love you, God, Father, and we, we pray all of this in your name and for your glory. Amen. All right. At this time, I'm going to invite the kids who've been practicing to come forward. Kids who've been practicing Silent Night, now is the moment. Come on. The rest of you, can remain seated. I know there's grandparents and parents in here. I, I know you're going to pop up and want to see. So they're going to sing for us, Silent Night. And the rest of us, if you have your candle, I am going to light a candle. Um, Stephen, maybe you can help them get their candles, their little candles. Thank you. So I'm going to light this candle. And one of the titles that Jesus has in the scriptures is that he is the light of the world. And so as we light these candles coming from this Christ candle In a little bit this is this is mine everybody So as we see the Christ candle lighting my candle, and then I'm going to come down and light the first row of candles, and I'm going to ask you to light one another's candles. And as we see the light spread, it's just symbolic for us this morning of what we have just spoken about, that God comes to us and that this news goes and it spreads between us from person to person. So let me just go ahead and light. Oh, and then I'll come over to this side. And if you know the words and you'd like to sing along to Silent Night, you can do that as well. can go back to your parents. No, you don't need to twist it. You can just put those in the basket right there. I
1: want to keep
0: it. You can have it again next year. All right. Everybody, why don't you stand? And I'm going to speak a benediction over us, and you can blow your candles out if you'd like. You can place them back in the basket on the way out. Don't forget cookies. If you want to eat cookies, those are here today, too. Uh, But let me just speak a blessing over you, a benediction over you, and uh, we will call it a morning, um, and then um, we will go from there.